once again reading verses 11 through 14, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, once again, as we bow, we, Father, just ask for grace. We ask for a hearing ear. We ask for an open heart. We ask for open eyes. Um, Father, we, we ask to be doers and not just hearers. We ask these things that we might glorify your name in everything that we do. What else do we have to live for but for you and unto you? Um, all things are from you. All things are for you. All things are through you. All things are for your glory. So, Father, we just ask that as we gather here this morning that you would make known, Father, your word unto us by the power of your spirit unto the glory of your name. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so last week we spoke somewhat upon putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, putting on the armor of light, two pictures that are given to us here in these verses. Um, and if we're going to put off or put aside or put away the things that we were talking about this morning in regards to the temptations of the world and its lust, the lust of the eyes, the lust you know, of um, the eyes, the, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, that those things wouldn't hold sway over us, then we absolutely know that we must put on the Lord Jesus Christ. For when we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, then we find ourselves in the position that James chapter 4 verse 7 tells us, we submit, therefore, unto God, and we resist the devil, and he will flee from us. Ephesians 4.27 says that it's then that we neither give place to the devil. Think about this. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ that we not give place to the devil. We submit to God, and we resist the devil that he flee from us. Ephesians 6, this is some of the imagery we were speaking about earlier this morning. Verse 11 says, we put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So all of these things being involved in putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, didn't we mention this already? Walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Do we see a common denominator through these things? Resisting the devil, him fleeing from us, uh, submitting to God, 
not giving place to the devil, standing against the devil, our adversary the devil, walking about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. When you when you get to the end of thinking some of those thoughts and resisting the devil and standing against him, Revelation twelve eleven says, and they overcame him, who? The devil. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. There's what in the blood? There's power in the blood, right? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. I don't know if I read this quote to you last week, but Robert Murray McShane, do y'all know that name? That name you're familiar with? Robert Murray McShane? We used to have some um, Bible reading plans back there on the table that was a guideline that he had had uh, used in his own walk. But he said this, he said, a holy man, I think I did read this last week, but a holy man in the hand of God is an awful weapon. So we're talking about an adversary. We're talking about armor. What are we in? We're in battle, right? I mean, are are you in it? Are you in the battle? You know, are, are we engaged? You know, because the, the opposite of being engaged in the battle is what we read in verse number 11, right? It's high time to awake out of sleep. Um, because, you know, what, what good is, is it for us to have all this armor on and to be asleep, you know, and... And, 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 and not be active and, and, and not be, you know, out there, you know, fighting. Um, you know, how, how do we fight? I mean, the weapons of our warfare are, are mighty. Uh, they, they have to do with the power of God. Um, prayer is a, is a mighty weapon. Um, there's, there's been prayer that's been brought against um, difficult situations. And, and God has made uh, his power known, you know, in this, those situations and delivered uh, people, I mean, you think about Daniel praying in the lion's den. You think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego praying as they were cast into the burning fiery furnace. Um, you think about how much prayer was offered up. You know, and think about Moses having to go before Pharaoh. Um, prayer is a mighty weapon. Um, but these images that we have before us are those of battle, and we must ask ourselves if we are in the fight? Do we see ourselves as soldiers of the truth? Do we see ourselves that way? Uh, We'll wake up. If we don't wake up, then we're going to be found like Samson. You know, he was, what was, this is just imagery I'm using here, but you can go and read in Judges 16, and you see the culmination of those things as far as, as far as Samson and Delilah were concerned. But in essence, Samson was, was lying down in a bed of lust um, is where he found himself when, or when he found himself when the Philistines came upon him. Uh, in the end, you know, when he had his head, you know, shaved and, and the power, you know, was gone that he had possessed. Again, what power was that? It was the power of God, um, you know, there in, in Samson's life. It was the same power. It is the same power that we were talking about last week when David stepped upon the battlefield against Goliath, right? I mean, David was given Saul's armor, but he wasn't going to step out on the battlefield in Saul's armor. He said, this hasn't been tested, but I'll tell you what has been tested. The power of God has been tested. And God's going to deliver this Philistine, you know, into my hand. Uh, So we're in a battle, to be sure. 
And in and of ourselves, we would be defeated. We would not be able to stand against the devil. But by the power of God, we are able to resist. Uh, By the power of God, we're able to stand against uh, the devil. And it is by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We have Christ, right? We've talked about that in the preceding verses. We've talked about the fact that we have Christ. He is within us. If we are his, if we're believers, Christ is within us. But we're told to put him on. So, you know, what is the imagery really speaking of? Well, it's speaking of the fact that we and of ourselves, you know, we don't have what we need to be able to, to, to fight this battle. We need to put him on. We've got to put on that helmet of salvation. We've got to put on that breastplate of righteousness. We've got to take up the shield of faith and the, and the sword of truth, which is the word of God, and have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and our loins girt about, you know, with, with the truth. We've got to put these things on uh, if we're going to be in the fight. Uh, but also putting on the Lord is, 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 is growing in grace and growing in him more and more and more. Because you think about a person who may be given those things. You know, I may give all that armor to, to Andrew. And it's like what David was saying, and just being given those things, given Saul's armor, is I haven't tested these things. Um, you know, it's one thing to have that armor. It's another thing to fight in it. It's another thing to learn to use it. It's another thing to, to learn how to use that sword and to use that shield and to use that helmet uh, of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and those things that we're speaking of. So uh, we want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ more and more and more. Um, our lives, you know, daily growing and, and, being, and showing forth Christ <clears throat> on a daily basis. You remember in Romans 12 and verse number 2, we were told not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, Ephesians 4.24 tells us to put on the new man. You know, we have this idea of putting off some things and putting on some things. Again, that we've been talking about, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's what we're to be walking in, is righteousness and true holiness. So we desire to have Christ in every aspect of our lives. Is there a part of us that we do not need Christ? No, there's not a part of us that we do not need Christ. Philippians 1, 19 through 21, Paul says, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. And you, you know some of those words there. You're familiar with them. Um, but you, 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 you see you know, Paul talking about every aspect of his life for him to live and every aspect of his life is Christ. Every area of his life is Christ. You know, if, if I'm going to raise my children, I want to raise them in a way that honors Christ, that glorifies Christ, that honors God. Um, how often I use the illustration of loving my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, and us loving one another. It's all about Christ and in Christ and putting on Christ. If I'm not going to take offense to something that someone says, even in the midst of the body of Christ, I'm going to have to put on Christ. If I'm going to be meek and humble, 
um, instead of being proud and being uh, divisive and being argumentative, um, you know, I'm going to have to put on Christ. I can't put on the flesh in those areas and there be, you know, any unity between us. I've got to put on, you know, Christ. But he says, for me to live as Christ and die as gain. So what is Paul saying? He's saying that Christ be magnified, that Christ be magnified in every way, in every part of my life. Someone said to me this week, they said <clears throat> in a different way, but they said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a different version. They said, life stinks. Well, let me ask you, does life stink? Hmm? I mean, there are some aspects of it we don't enjoy, right? I mean, absolutely. I mean, certainly we think about Lot. What, what, what is said of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah? Hmm? That his what? Righteous soul was what? Vexed from day to day with what? The filthy conversation of the wicked. Those things stink. The filthy conversation of the wicked stinks. Dad and I were standing out <clears throat> by the, the truck the other day, and one of the workers started to, He hesitated for a second before he told us something. But then he went forward, and what he, what he said stunk. It really stunk. Um, life stinks. I went, I went to school with a, with a, with a guy, and um, he would say frequently, and I'm not going to use the word that he used, but he basically said, life stinks and then you die. You know, that was his, his outlook on life. He was deaf. Some of you know him. But he was deaf. And that's a disability. And it would be difficult to deal with that, wouldn't it? To be deaf and not be able to, to hear. That would, that would be a hardship. Uh, and it would be easy for somebody to fall into that sort of an attitude that, well, life just stinks. You know, I can't hear. Life just stinks. I have to use a walker. Life just stinks. I can't eat the things that I want to eat. Life stinks. I have headaches every day. Um, you know, life stinks. Um, I get that you're thinking about, you know, Adrienne and the, and, the, and, the, and the bruising, bleeding problem that she has. It'd be easy to give way to those things and say, life stinks. Um, but that's not the outlook that we're to have. That's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying for me to live is Christ. If I have a disability, well, glory be to God. This is not something that he didn't know about. It's not something that he, he, didn't, he couldn't keep from happening. You know, life doesn't, this doesn't stink. Lord, use this to your glory. You know, use this thing, whatever it is. I was reminded of, of um, you, do, do any of you know Joni Erickson Tata? I know some of you are familiar with her, right? You know her. And you know that as a young woman, she was very active. I mean, she, she did lots of things, horseback riding, all sorts of things. And then one day she dives into the Chesapeake Bay and she comes up out of the water and she's a paraplegic. You know what a paraplegic is? What do they not have use of? Yeah, everything from here down. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, I'm, I'm too high, really. It's really here. Because yeah, she can turn her head, you know. Um, so a paraplegic. Listen to what she said. Difficulties and even disabilities abound. Does she know what she's talking about? You think her life's been difficult? Mm-hmm. Does she have any disability? Yeah. Difficulties and even disabilities abound. 
To be deaf would be a great challenge. But she said this, she said, you could experience a baker's dozen of serious issues layered one on top of the other. Financial pressures, health pressures, relationship pressures, spiritual warfare pressures. I think Job probably fits all those categories. And I thought of him when she said what she said about a layer of things. Because you remember upon the heels of one servant, there come another and would tell Job a thing after a thing, you know, that happened. But she says, the pressure of unthinkable grief or cruel pain in all these things. She says, it will not curse you if you believe Christ is in it. It will not crush you. Does she know what she's talking about? It will not crush you if you believe that Christ, you know, is in it. So, life doesn't stink. I mean... She could, she'd have a reason to say that, wouldn't she? I mean, my life is just, I mean, she could have given up. Uh, but I've seen paintings that she's painted. Have you seen some of those? I mean, with, with her mouth? You know, I, I look at some of the things that, that, that people do with use of both their hands, you know. Uh, and, I mean, that's just beautiful, the things that she's painted with her teeth and the paintbrush in her teeth. Somebody, had to, somebody has to put that there. She can't even, you know, get that in her mouth herself and, and get pain on it. Um, you know, and she would have every reason, you know, to complain. Uh, we're to do all things without grumbling and complaining and murmuring. And here we've got both our arms and both our legs and we grumble and we complain. And here she is and she doesn't have use of either arm or either leg. And she's saying, this, it will not curse you if you believe Christ is in it. And, and that was the place that when Anna first started having those headaches that we, that we came from when we would kneel down together and pray, you know, is this right here. It would crush us if we didn't believe Christ, you know, was in it. Um, or if it had been some other problem that any of my kids have, I mean, that's where I would come from, a problem that I have, a problem that you have. It would crush us if we didn't believe that Christ, you know, was in it. So can we see in all these numerous things, these great difficulties that we have reason to put Christ upon them? You know, here, Joni had to put, and I think really her name's supposed to be pronounced Johnny because she was named after her dad. You know, but a lot of times we say Joni because we look at that word and we think that's how you pronounce that. But, but we need to hang, she had to hang, you know, that upon this situation. She had to put Christ upon it. And, and didn't it change her outlook on things when she put Christ upon it? We're called to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, put the Lord upon all these things. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. If we do not, then we're going to be left in that place of life stinks. Life stinks. We're going to say, what's the point of it all? Paul's saying, here's the point. Christ. Magnify Christ. In all things, magnify Christ. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. And I've read this to you recently. Be ye steadfast. Unmovable. I mean, she, had to, she has to be unmovable in her circumstances. Unwavering in her circumstances and say, Christ is in this. The Lord's in this. I mean, she's, there's a whole ministry you know, that the Lord's given to her. 
um, you know, because of her being in the very position that she's in. I mean, she's garnered great attention you know, because of the situation that she's, that she's found herself in, that God's placed her in. Unmovable, always abounding. I mean, she, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Couldn't, I mean, couldn't she, of all people, couldn't she give up? You know, couldn't she just say, sit me in a corner? Feed me every once in a while. Tend to me every once in a while. My life is useless, hopeless. My life is in vain. It'd be better if I'd never been born. It'd be better if I didn't even, you know, live. It'd be better if I just would die. You know, that's the place that, that ultimately a person has to go, you know, if they, if they can't live there. You know, here in this place, we're putting Christ upon it. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is in it. Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, I mean, she has to live there. We have to live there. My labor is not in vain in the Lord. Um, maybe I can't speak as eloquently as someone else. Maybe I don't have this or I don't have that. Well, you have what the Lord's given you. I mean, think about her. I mean, what did she have left? No arms, no legs. I mean, she just got a neck and her head to be able to move about. Um, I mean, you talk about a battle. I mean, I, I've, I've watched a film on her life, and I'm assuming that, that, that she had much to do, you know, with the different aspects of its production. Um, but just what I say, they can't depict, you know, that completely, you know, on, on screen. But you imagine all the, all the uphill battle, you know, that she had to fight. You know, just, uh, I mean, the hope that was given in the beginning, you know, that this, you may recover from this. It's maybe not, you know, you may not be the way the rest of your life. Maybe we can do a surgery, repair this, or whatever. And maybe some med- medical procedure would come down the road later on, you know, that rugs may have been just pulled out from under her left and right. And what did she have to fall back on? Where else did she have to go uh, but to the Lord, you know? And, and she put the Lord upon this. Lord, you're in this. She put the Lord Jesus Christ upon this situation, and, and the Lord honored that. You know, she sought him, and he honored that. She sought to be used by him, and he honored that and gave, gave unto her a, a ministry unto many people. Um, think about people that are disabled, that have been encouraged by her, that, that aren't in the condition that she's in. Um, so if we're in any other place, then that's where it ultimately can lead to is that our life, stinks instead of our life as Christ um, that we do all that we do to his glory and his honor that he's in this whatever it is that he's using this you know for a reason in my life and he can use it in the lives of other people um, you know what makes life worth living you know if a person says life stinks what makes life worth living you know what are you living for uh, what do you have to live for uh, well Paul says for me to live as Christ and to die as gain that's what I have to live for um What's the biggest factor in your life? What's the biggest factor in my life? Uh, if it's not Christ, then it's, it's in vain. Um, for me to live is Christ. That's the biggest factor in my life is Christ. Um, I'm to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I'm, desire, I'm, to, I'm to desire the thing that we talked about for a while this morning, not to be led into temptation, but to be delivered from you know, evil. Because it's all about his glory and all about his power. It's all about him. Ephesians 5.14 says, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And I just think about going forward, more and more, Christ giving me more light. Um, 
Christ causing me to grow more. Christ causing me to increase in Him, uh, to grow in Him, and to glorify Him more and more and more. You remember that verse that we read recently out of Psalm 90? Verse 17 says, Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. I mean, doesn't that speak to putting on the Lord Jesus Christ? Doesn't that speak to, to, to her situation? Let the beauty of the Lord be upon us. You know, she, you know, she's saying, let the beauty of the Lord be upon me. I mean, even though I don't have arms and legs to use, let the beauty of the Lord be upon me. Establish thou the work of our hands upon us, uh, that we might glorify you know, him. Uh, we, we ended last week with, with the passage out of John 15 about abiding in him. Abiding in the vine, abiding in Christ, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the, the things that we're told to put off, rioting and drunkenness. And we know people can be drunk on more, and we ended here last week, can be drunk on more than, than alcohol and stimulants, drugs. They can be drunk on money. They can be drunk on uh, power. They can be drunk on you know, sexual sins, and all of that's dealt with you know, here. What will those things do? They will rob you. Sin will rob you. It will rob you. It will steal much from you. Uh, think about Lot. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. Did that not cost him something? It did. Um, you know, his wife turned back and was turned into a pillar of salt. And and um, his daughters, you know, they're, 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 his sons-in-law, they didn't come out, you know, uh, with. Uh, but it cost him much. Um, rioting in drunkenness, chambering in wantonness. You know, what... You know, we, we, we know what it is for, for this, this whole... Think about this word rioting. I'll, I'll give you a great definition for that. Think about the prodigal son. He wanted what his, his inheritance would be given unto him. And you know what the Bible says about what he did with that? He, he wasted it with riotous living. You know, that's, that's the idea of rioting here in drunkenness. I mean, it's the prodigal son. And he's wasted his, his, his father's inheritance upon... You know, those things and chambering and, and wantonness, chambering. We know we, we've heard the word chamber before, haven't we? We know, you know, something about a, a bed chamber. That's older language, you know, but it's it's basically your room where your bed's at, you know, at, you know, chambering it. What was what was David doing? He was lying about, you know, right right before the sin with Bathsheba. You know, it was a time when kings went off to war and there he was lying about, uh, you know, an idle mind, Right. What do we say about that? It's the devil's playground. I mean, he was giving himself over to, you know, chambering. Um, and then, you know, wantonness. What is wantonness? What does that mean? You know, what do you think that means? Hmm? Okay, well, the word want is there. Yeah. Um, what does the flesh want? What is the flesh excited by? Is the flesh excited by these things? <laughs> Uh, no, uh, flesh isn't excited by the word of God. Um, the flesh isn't particularly excited by the truth. Um, you know, we're, we have to keep the flesh under subjection, submission. You know, the flesh is excited by the things of this world, uh, the things that pertain to this world. Uh, but wantonness has to do with, pay attention, has to do with unbridled lust. Do you remember the saying that we used to, that I, we used to use, we used to say, you know, that basically it's this picture. 
It's the picture of a man, you know, he's seated upon, you know, the, 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 the horseback, so to speak, or upon, you know, the horse called lust. And he just lays the reins down. He, he lays the reins down upon the neck of that horse and just lets it go wherever it wants to. You know, that's, that's really the ultimate picture, you know, that we have there of wantonness. It is unbridled lust, laying the reins of sin down upon the neck of lust and giving yourself to those things that will rob you of the joy of Christ. They will rob you of the joy of Christ. You think about walking honestly. Think about Joseph in Potiphar's household. When he was given he was given authority over everything in that household. He was walking honestly before Potiphar. He was given a, a, a right account of everything in the house. And then that whole set of circumstances and situation with Potiphar's wife. And we find him, you know, saying the thing that we've already mentioned this morning. He says, how can I do this thing? The thing that Potiphar's wife wanted of him. How can I do this thing, he said, and sin against God? That's the opposite of wantonness, right? How can I do this thing and sin against God? But not in strife, not in envying, strife, arguing, giving sharp answers, having a spirit of discord, envying. That's jealousy. That's what that has to do with. Uh, Stirred up because somebody has something you don't have. Or maybe somebody's trying to outdo you and you want to outdo them. Uh, <clears throat> so those are the things we're called. And that's not the only things that we see in Scripture that we're to put off, but that's some of the things that are mentioned that Paul mentions here. Uh, but interesting, isn't it, that you find something like strife and envying in the same paragraph, you know, with other things like chambering and wantonness and, and um, rioting and drunkenness. Um, you know, it's, it's all sin, um, we are called to present our bodies a living sacrifice, aren't we? That was Romans twelve one, wasn't it? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So we are to assume the character of Christ. It's not something false. We're not trying to put on something that we aren't. We're called to be what we are, right? We're to assume the character of Christ. Put on the new man, which is the counterpart, right, of the old man. We're to put the old man off, put on the new man. Um, that's what Paul's talking about when he says put off concerning the former conversation you know, that is your former way of life put that off and be renewed in the spirit you know, of your mind so we're called to put on the Lord Jesus Christ to make his character our own and we've already said that there's the other aspect of it right to put Christ upon situations you know? uh, Christ is in this God's in this but he's the potter, we're the clay. We want to be shaped and fashioned and molded and made into the image of Christ. That's what we're looking to be. That's our desire. We're to put on Christ. And we know what it's like for people to admire someone else, right? And they, they try to put clothes on and dress like that person. And they try to speak like that person uh, speaks because they have great admiration for that person. They essentially idolize that person maybe. It's a, you know, maybe a movie star or maybe you know, somebody who's a musician or something. You know, they try to put that person on. That's not what we're called to put on. But we understand, you know, what it's like for that person to try to put, you know, that on. We're called to put on Christ. And again, it's not something that we are not. It's something that we are. We're to put on Christ more and more and more. They're trying to put on somebody that they're not. We're called to put on somebody that we are. We are. He abides within us. 
Galatians 5 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't be entangled again with the works of darkness. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh, or the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. I mean, if it would apart from the Spirit, if we're, we're not for the life of Christ within us, what would we be? Except for the grace of God, there go I. But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh, and this is why I'm reading this passage, because we have these things that are mentioned to us in Romans 13. But over here, Paul says the works of the flesh are manifest. They are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. That's that unbridled unbridled lust again. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. That's quarreling, emulations. That's contention, wrath, strife, seditions. That's division, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. When David committed adultery. Does that mean he's not going to inherit the kingdom of God? <laughs> no. David sinned. Um, David fell into sin. Uh, did David continue that life of adultery? I'd say, well, you know what? We just sin that grace may abound. I can, I can live an adulterous life. All, you know, I can give myself to those things. Um, you know, Paul's saying here that that's not, that's not the heart of the believer. The heart of the believer is against such things. Uh, does that mean that he's, he's not able to commit such things? No, he can. And David did. You know, we used David as an example, didn't we? But our heart's not given to those things. There's that that's struggling within us. And we have no pleasure. I mean, they, they promise pleasure, but they rob us for so much. How could they rob us? You know, well, they rob us of the joy of Christ. That's what we said. They rob us of the joy of Christ. <clears throat> Walking in such things. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Put Christ upon that situation. Lord, you've, this is what you've given me. Help me to be content with what I have. And, and not feel like I can't be happy unless I have what somebody else has. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He can take a little bit and make an abundance you know, of it. But he's called us to be holy. He says, for I, the Lord, am holy. He says, ye shall be holy unto me. I have severed you from other people. Think about Israel. They were severed from other people. Think about yourself. You've been severed from other people. He's called you to come out and be separate, right? He says, I've severed you from other people that you should be mine. Put that on. Think about that. Put that on. You belong to him. That you should be mine. Be not unequally yoked, 2 Corinthians 6 says, with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Bilal or the devil? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? But we're the temple of the living God, the Bible says. He says, I will dwell with them. I will walk in them. Didn't say that he walked with us. It says he will walk in us. Isn't that incredible? The thing about it is I will walk in them. 
and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, he says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Peter talks about, you remember, we're a chosen generation, a rural priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. So we're called to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put these things on. Jude 121 says, keep yourselves in the love of God. We're to keep ourselves there. Put that on. Keep yourselves in the love of God. You know, the world will fight to save the seals. It'll fight to save the trees. It'll fight to save all sorts of things. It'll battle disease and fight poverty. Yet all the while it drinks in iniquity like water. It's against God. Sin's not the issue for them, but it is for us. We're to put those things off and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a world that shows by its priorities, its values, its commitments, its standards, its preoccupations, its pleasures, that it does not regard sin as an offense unto a holy God. But we're called to come out and to be separate. You know, we talked about that passage this morning about they went out from us because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but it's made, they made themselves manifest. They're not of us. They departed, really, right? Um, something Brother Conrad used to say, he, said, he would say, you can put a sheep out of the pen and it will bleat until it gets back in. It will continue to bleat until it gets back in. But he says, you can put a hog out and it'll head straight for the woods. You know, so that's essentially, you know, they went out from us because they were not of us. The world, you know, it's not of us. Put those things off. Uh, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in a battle. We're called to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. There's that robbing idea that I was talking about earlier. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. They will rob you. Sin will rob you. It will war against your soul. We need to begin every day asking the Lord to keep us, asking the Lord for grace that we may be able to give an answer to every man that asks us the hope that's within us, we, we, to be light, to be salt, to put on Christ, to put on the whole armor of God, to be able to put these things on and put off other things. You know, our profession was not an end in itself. Uh, we've, we've got a battle to fight. We're going to fight all the way to the end. So the Lord help us to, as Peter says, gird up the loins of our mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. So some of these things we've been talking about, about abiding in him and putting him on, um, putting off the former conversation, like Ephesians 4 says, uh, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man which after God has created in righteousness and true holiness. I mean, we're, we're finding here is some practical application of the things that Paul's been telling us, you know, in the, in the chapters that have gone, you know, before. Um, I think about 1 Peter 4, 3. For the time past of our life suffices to have wrought the will of Gentiles, but 
uh, when we walked in lasciviousness and lust and excess of wine, revelings and banquetings and abominable idolatries, put those things away. Um, put on, be cloaked in, be clothed in um, the Lord Jesus Christ. Deny ungodliness, deny worldly lusts. Glorify God. I, I, you, 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 you hear the Lord's praying and say, saying, Father, glorify thy name. That ought to be our prayer. Father, glorify thy name. Is that our prayer in our lives and everything we do? Father, glorify thy name. In every word we speak, every thought we think, every deed we do, Father, glorify thy name. He says, Father, glorify thy name. Then there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Putting on Christ, glorifying God over and over and over again in this situation, in that situation, this conversation, in that conversation, in this area of our life, in that area of our life. Having the mind of Christ. Think about the Lord being assaulted by the devil wave after wave after wave, but he did not yield unto temptation. He did not give himself to any of those things. We give ourselves to the Lord. Give ourselves to putting upon him. And then at the end, what it says here, making no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's the opposite of putting on Christ, is making provision for the flesh. Put away those things that feed the flesh. Put away those things and put on Christ. Um, am I telling you to throw your TVs out of the house? No. <laughs> there are people that do that. We'll get into some of those things in the next chapter. But no. Can, can, I, can I watch television in a Christ-honoring way? Yeah. Yeah, there's, I can do that. Um, you know, whatever it may be that we put on Christ as, as we look at these things, whether it's a television or a newspaper or a magazine, uh, put on Christ. Walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I know I sound like a broken record, but those are the things that we've been talking about and thinking about. Um, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Asking the Father that, that we might walk like he walked and live like he lived and do what he did. What was that? He did all that he did. He says, Father, glorify thy name. You know, that was over it all. Uh, everything that he did. Do we not know these things? Yeah, we know these things. But here we are. We reminded them once again. Wake up. Wake up. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, don't fall in some place like, like, you know, Johnny could have fallen into. Could have fallen into, you know, into some sort of depressed state. And that I'm, there's nothing for me. I can't do anything my life's not worth anything no now put christ upon it all for me to live as christ and to die as gain so in every situation insert christ you know into it um, every thought insert christ you know into it you know mark Lacour was telling us that there are people who would come to him and ask him you know can i do this or that that thing the bible doesn't really speak against it what he say? can you do it and glorify god so what are we doing here? We're inserting Christ into the situation. Okay, well, maybe the Bible doesn't have, you know, any kind of, you know, uh, strict, you know, this or that against this or, or, or in that, this situation or that situation. But can you do it and glorify God? Because in everything that we do, 
whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we do to all to the glory of God. So he's inserting Christ into that situation, inserting Christ into that circumstance. So for me to live as Christ, that's what Paul's saying. For me to live as Christ is to magnify Christ, to magnify him in my, in, in my thought, word, and deed, to magnify him in everything that I do. It's all about him. And is that, is that foreign to us? Is that against our nature? No. You know, not, not, not our new nature, not the new man. That's, that's, that's our desire. So let it be our prayer. Um, you know, let it be what we go forth every day, you know, seeking to do is to put on Christ in the midst of, you know, a world that's just consumed and swallowed, you know, by evil and by darkness and by sin. So let's stand. And we'll go once again to the Lord in prayer. May that be our prayer. Father, glorify thy name. May we be cloaked in Christ so that there is no place for ungodliness. Be holy as he is holy. May our life be given to that in all that we do. Father, once again, we come and we thank you for your word and we thank you for your truth and we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for a desire that these things might be a reality in our lives, that, that we might know these things more and more, that we might walk in these things more and more, that we might give ourselves to these things more and more, that we would indeed come out and be separate, that people would indeed see there's a difference between our lives and, and, and their lives, that they might see Christ in us, that they might see the hope that we have, that they might desire, Father, to have that same hope, that same liberty, that same salvation. Father, they might see the truth, their eyes might be opened to see the reality that there is in Christ, that you might use us as we put on Christ to, to, to show forth Christ before others, that others might see Christ in us. We desire that might be real, that might be um, true, Father, that again, that it might be that way more and more uh, in us, that it might grow more and more uh, unto the day that you return to take us home to be with you forever. Father, we thank you for the food that's been prepared. We thank you for, Father, the provision of it. Um, we thank you for the, the strength that it gives unto the body. Um, Father, I pray that you'd help us to, to use that again to your glory and to your honor, to use everything that we have, everything that we've been given. Uh, to advance the kingdom of Christ, that we might desire to seek first the kingdom of God, to seek first righteousness, uh, knowing that all the things the world's seeking after, that those things will be added unto us as we have need of them. Because your hand's not too short and your, your, your ear's not too dull. Father, you're able to provide, you're able to prepare, you're able to make way, you're able to make provision in any and every one of these things. We're called to follow after you. So help us so to do. Again, we pray for those that aren't with us. Pray that you would be with them, that you would provide for them, that you would supply their every need in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.